From the concert halls to the juke joints, from churches to festivals in the fields, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, celebrating the sounds of Memphis and the Mississippi Delta for more than 20 years. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide, major funding for Beale Street Caravan is provided by the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau and the AutoZone Corporation. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. This week on Beale Street Caravan, we have soul music legend and Fat Possum Records recording artist, Don Bryant. Beale Street Caravan contributor, Robert Gordon, will be with us as well to talk about the history of high records. That's all coming up right now on Beale Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hey, Kevin. Don Bryant is a Memphis music legend. And in a broader sense, he is a soul music legend. As you'll hear in just a minute, Don is an absolutely amazing singer. Naturally gifted and still blessed at the age of 75, he embodies the clarity, heartfelt sincerity, and power of the greatest soul singers of the 1960s and 70s. He's a great singer, but he's also an amazing songwriter. And it is that talent and ability that Don decided to focus on for his professional career. And the behind the scenes nature of that songwriter role is why his name might not be so familiar to many in our audience. Don Bryant was a teenage singing phenomenon and Willie Mitchell, the architect of the Memphis Sound, soon drafted him to front his band. Don became interested in songwriting and was given a chance to work with the Five Royales, also under Mitchell's tutelage. The result was the song, I Got to Know. His talent was so obvious that singing soon took a backseat to songwriting. He wrote hits for Al Green, Otis Clay, Obie Wright, and he wrote the hit song, I Can't Stand the Rain for his future wife, Ann Peebles. Maybe you've heard it. And yes, they are still married, very much in love, and Miss Ann joins her husband on stage in the second half of this program. Don has recently released just the second album of his career. It's called Don't Give Up on Love, and it's on Fat Possum Records. Here's Don Bryant live on Beale Street Caravan. One and another. And two's too many. Listen to me, fellas, if you're running around Trying to love ladies all over town Gonna get in trouble, believe me when I say Boy, I had to find this out the old-fashioned way Too. You tell one one thing, 
They don't come cheap when they look like that. So hard to keep when they move so fast. Soon you will find that it's all for the best.
Here's more from Don Bryant, live on Beale Street Caravan. We all need love. Don't give up on love. Girl, I know you've been hurt. I love before and love don't seem to mean that much to you anymore if you give up now that means you you're never gonna win so I
what you see. Love won't give up on you. Love, 
they tell me of a place where there is no more dying and they tell me Lord in this place there won't be no more Listen, they tell me that the blind will see. They tell me that the lame will walk. They tell me that the deaf will be able to hear. Lord, and the dumb will be able to talk. Somebody tell me, how do I get there?
Thank you. You're listening to Don Bryant live on Bill Street Caravan. We'll be right back with more music in just a moment. But first, we're going to turn it over to Bill Street Caravan contributor Robert Gordon. Robert is a writer and documentary filmmaker. He has written several histories about Memphis music, including It Came From Memphis and Respect Yourself, Stax Records and The Soul Explosion. His next book, entitled Memphis Rent Party, comes out in 2018, so be on the lookout for it. Right now, he's going to talk to us about the history of High Records. High Records. H-I. High. Fine. How are you? Great. Well, let me tell you the story of High Records. This is Robert Gordon, and I'm talking to you from Memphis, Tennessee, where a whole lot of great music has come from. Blues, rock and roll, soul. Like they say, it came from Memphis. And High Records recorded some of all of it, though the label's heyday was surely from 1970 to 1976, when their superstar Al Green carried the flame for Southern Soul. Since we've been together, ooh, loving you forever is what I need. High Records was founded in 1956. Across town, Sam Phillips was making the music business look easy. His Sun Records label had unleashed Elvis Presley on the nation two years before, and Elvis's contract had just sold to RCA for a record-breaking amount of money. So three musicians working with Sam Phillips decided to strike out on their own. Even the record business is a business, and pretty quickly these three guys, Quentin Clonch, Bill Cantrell, and Ray Harris were bought out by businessman Joe Coogie, who owned a popular Memphis record store called Poplar Tunes. Now, get this. Coogie's partners owned not only a record distributorship, but also one of the region's largest jukebox agencies, which means High Records became part of a mini-conglomerate that controlled the recording of the records, their distribution, and even their sale. When a box of records left their warehouse for their jukeboxes and retail outlets, they'd already paid themselves twice for it. Thus, High knew they could sell a certain number of records before a song had even been recorded, virtually removing the risk inherent in the music business. Fortunately, in addition to good business sense, High Records had great musical taste. There are really three distinct periods for High Records. A rockabilly sound in the 1950s, a jazzy pop sound in the 1960s, and soul success in the 1970s. In the 50s, Ray Harris became High's first driving force, and under his direction, the label released several early rock and roll classics. Success for High came in 1959, when Bill Black, who'd left his job playing bass for Elvis, released the first of many singles on High. Well into the 1960s, Bill Black's combo would be one of High's top-selling artists. The other two periods in the High Record story are defined by Willie Mitchell. In the 1960s, Willie, a trumpet player, recorded best-selling instrumentals for High, and in the 1970s, he produced the label's great soul artists, Al Green, Ann Peebles, Syl Johnson, and all of them. This is Willie we're hearing now, 
a song called Teeny's Dream. Willie's sophisticated sensibilities kept high on top for many years. We'll be hearing more from all these guys in the weeks to come as we explore the story of higher records. This is Robert Gordon for Bill Street Caravan. See you next time. remind our listeners you can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Look us up and join in on the fun. For more information or if you want to get involved, go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com. Shoot us an email or sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. And you can also keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast. It's available through iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and just about anywhere podcasts can be found. Speaking of podcasts, check out our newest production, the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, also available through iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn. We have to take a quick break for local announcements, but stick around, there's more music to come. You're listening to The Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and many other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. We're back, and for those of you just tuning in, this week on Beale Street Caravan, we have Memphis music legend Don Bryant captured live on stage at the Levitt Shell in Midtown Memphis. Backing Don in this performance of the Bow Keys, led by producer Scott Bomar, also in the band are Archie Turner on keys and Howard Grimes on drums. Who, along with Charles and Leroy Hodges, formed the high rhythm section. Howard goes back at least six decades with Don, back to when they were teenagers playing around Memphis. We mentioned that this new album is just Don's second. Well, Howard played on the first one back in 1969. So there's a lot of magic on that stage right now. They're playing in front of thousands of adoring hometown fans, and it hits the roof at the very end. You don't want to miss a minute of this second set. But first, we're going to hear from Don himself. Writing and singing was, uh, it's been my life. You know, that, that's what I've done, and that's what I've enjoyed in the music. Uh, I knew at a young age that this was this is what I wanted to do. So I started concentrating on more on writing for other artists started coming in and, and needing material and whatever. So uh, Willie kind of backed up off of what I was doing as an artist, concentrating mm -hmm. on that, which didn't really bother me a whole lot because I was getting 
involved more often to the writing. And the songs start popping out, you know, and that made me feel good. So he made me the A&R man at the studio. Anytime some artists would come in and needed material, uh, he looked to me to have something prepared for him. So, I mean, I got deeper and deeper into the writing situation and I started enjoying it. I know, if, you know, whichever area it was gonna be, it was gonna be a part of my life. So I enjoyed all of it and the writing, I enjoyed just as much as I did the singing. I was still singing with the band and whatever. So I was getting my singing in and I was getting my writing in. So I mean, it was just a part of my life. When you write a song and you talk about being the house writer, do you write a song and go, oh, I'm writing this song for this person? Or do you just write the song and say, hey, why don't you try this song out? Well, sometimes uh, either or. You know, I'd have the artist in mind that I was trying to write a song for, or I'd have some material that I could use to fit that artist's style or whatever. So I kind of trim it down and, and, and turn it over a little, and you know, change some words in it, and, and make it fit that artist. So uh, I had the advance notice that they were coming in, so I had time to work on it, and, you know, just work on some things. I had other artists, that, uh, writers down there helping me out, material. If I needed to gear for an artist that was coming in, you know, I would uh, work on it and try to get it for the artist. But most of the artists, I had enough time that I knew who it was going to be. I knew their material. I knew their sound. So I could kind of gear the songs toward how they did phrases and different things and use lyrics. I, I want to go back and I mean, you're from a big family. There were 10 kids in your family, and yes, you were sir. in the middle. Yes. You started singing at the age of five. Was that big family thing? Was it just, this is what we do? Yes, yes. Uh, my my daddy was a, he had a group called the Four Stars of Harmony, a gospel group. And they would rehearse at the house, and we would sit around listening and what have you, you know. And on occasions, we tried to get, to, uh, the kids would try to get together and, and, and you know, imitate them. I think that's, I think basically that's how it all got started uh, or whatever. Through the neighborhood as we grew up, there was always somebody in the neighborhood that loved singing and whatever. And at night, with nothing else to do, under a street lamp, we would gather together and, 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 and sing some of the popular songs, and then that way you could find out who had the voices and whatever, you know, and we usually would put a, a street harmony group together, you know, and, and at night with nothing to do and everything had died down. We'd sit under the lights and, and just sing songs, you know, and uh, uh, we got some, uh, there was a merchant in the, in the neighborhood heard us, and he wanted to be our manager and what have you, you know. When we sing, everybody's sitting back listening, you know, and you didn't have to worry about this voice missing or that voice missing because somebody... They would be around listening to us all the time, you know, in South Memphis, over by High Records. So it all be somebody would be willing to step in with that voice, whichever one it was, the bass, the tenors, uh, you know, everything. It, it just worked out smoothly, and it just it just flowed. We were introduced to Willie Mitchell by a, a gentleman in the neighborhood that was trying to be a manager. He introduced us to Willie Mitchell. Willie Mitchell had a band, and he had a group, and most of the clubs in the city. They had their own band, they had their own group. Willie was playing for a lot of private clubs or whatever, but he introduced us to Willie and Willie said, hey, I'll give y'all a try. And we tried out for him and he said, hey, okay, let's go for it. So we started working with him at some of the private clubs and whatever, and it worked out pretty good. How old were you when you were going to these private clubs? 15, 16, <laughs> and he had to sign a, a, a letter Waiver. Being our waiver, being our guardian, because we traveled in and out of the city with him. And he had to sign that waiver being our guardian 
you know, uh, before we were able to go with him. And, and, and that's where we grew up with Willie Mitchell's band, 16, 17, going to high school and what have you. Be it that this is just your second record. Uh, how do you feel? Well, uh, to tell you the truth, I thought it was happening or going to happen then on that first record, you know, but circumstances and situations, it didn't allow. Through all that time, I was still off in the music. I was still learning. I was still taking in. I was still singing and whatever because that was a part of me, and I accepted that. I never had any idea that, uh, you know, it would work out uh, this way, but uh, I'm thankful that it did. I'm thankful that, uh, you know, I'm still here. I did, I got kind of a lot of spiritual knowledge or what have you, you know, and, and, and all of this accumulated inside of me. And, and, and what's coming out now is all of these years that I've been through loving the music, you know, and singing the music and enjoying the music. And I think that's what's coming out then. And I'm, I'm glad that I'm able to be able to do it, still have the voice to do it, you know, and still have the love for it, uh, to want to continue to do it. I'm thankful for it. Well, I guess you can never say never. Because you don't never know when, you know. But uh, I always had that desire to do yeah. it. I would always, later on in, 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 in the music thing with uh, the band and Willie, I opened up a lot of shows for other artists and whatever, you know. Uh, for my wife, I opened up shows for her and different ones that were... Uh, traveling around as a part of the band and whatever, you know, and uh, I never got away from it. I always did. Singing was my thing, and I accepted that. Let me ask you this. You started out playing gospel music, doing gospel, then you went to that sinful secular music, and then, you know, when you took a break from your career, you were still doing gospel. Now you're doing secular music again, and it, it it's interesting as a listener, because let's use um, Nickel and Nail, we'll use that song. The O.V. Wright version of it is sultry, and your version on this record is just, it's the best way I could describe it to somebody is there's something about it that's pushing hope. There's this underlying sense of hope in the song, and I don't know how you do that, but I'm thinking it's all those years in gospel music. Yeah, it is, you know. It opened my eyes to a whole lot of things, you know, uh, to view a whole lot of things, different ways or what have you. Uh, it's it's just the way I felt. I love the song. When, when he first released the song, I loved the song, the way he did it. You know, I loved it then, and I had been loving it. All that, all those years, I'd been liking that one song, that particular song by him, and um, to me, it's it's more of a motivation for things that that were done then that motivated a lot of people in those days. And I think think that today, that these same songs and and grooves and feels still has the opportunity to motivate people, and and that's kind of what uh, most of my songs are about is uh, a motivation in a in a you know, let them see it in a different light. Well, I'm happy that you took this time to sit in and talk with us. Glad to be here, and uh, thank you uh, for even inviting me to be here. Here's more from Don Bryant, live on Beale Street Caravan. But some way 
and a nickel and a nickel. Give the guitar player. Get Joe, hey. We gonna do this little thing. Don't turn your back on me. Don't turn your back on me. Now that I need you, stand by me. Don't turn your back on me. Don't 
turn your back on me something out here. Like on I Can't Stand the Rain, you know, the way it was created. We, it, about four writers together, you know, we used to write together. About four writers together in the room and uh, we were going out to a show and uh, I think it was Bobby Bland at the Coliseum or something and we sitting in the house getting prepared to go to the show and it started pouring down rain. You know, and somebody said, oh, can't stand this rain. You know, uh-oh, I, I, well, immediately I went to the piano and started playing uh, a, a little melody, because melody came in my head, too. And I, so I just started playing the melody. And since we couldn't go to the show, the other writers there, Bernard Miller and my wife, and 
we got together. We started, uh, you know, coming up with lines and whatever, you know, that night. And we stayed there that night. That morning, we had that song finished. We took it to Willie Mitchell the next day. Try not to do, like, what everybody else is saying. I try to go going in another direction, you know. Uh, uh, and then when lines start coming in, it, it, you know, you, you start rhyming those lines and putting them together. And stuff. We had that song finished the next day. We took it to Willie to the studio the next day. Miss Ann Peebo! I can't stand the rain Here's my window Bringing back sweet memories Her window pane Do you remember How sweet it used to be That was Don Bryant live on Beale Street Caravan. 
Special thanks to everyone at the Levitt Shell and Fat Possum Records. Again, Don Bryant has a new record out, and it's his first record in over 40 years. It's called Don't Give Up on Love. You can find out more about Don Bryant by visiting his page on fatpossumrecords.com or his Facebook page. Be sure to check out his tour dates because he may be coming to a venue near you soon. Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, Arts Memphis, Tennessee Arts Commission, Tennessee Tourism, and Bridging the Blues for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You won't find programming like this anywhere else. You can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Follow us there. We've always got special features and additional content that we think you'll enjoy. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. And you can always keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available anywhere podcasts can be found. We'll be back next week, so see you then. I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. And you've been listening to the Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Mm-hmm.